Well, this morning, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, to take out Acts chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the text here in a few moments as we go through our message this morning um, and one of the stories that's reflected there. And as we begin, I just want to invite you to be in a spirit of prayer. Let's just bow. Lord God, as we come before you right now, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the way that you come to engage us, to speak into our hearts, Lord, because you love us. Lord, you want us to know you more. You want us to know that no matter what comes our way in life, that you've got it. And God, we realize there are things that come at us. And so as we come this morning, we pray that you just speak to our hearts. Lord, for whatever each person here is needing in this day, the way you want to engage them, help them to hear that and to receive that. And Lord, may you be glorified and help me be out of the way. And Jesus, you be seen. And we pray it all in your name. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Ghost Stories, Overcoming the Things That Haunt Us. And this morning, I want to talk with you specifically about the area of doubt. Now, I'm going to guess all of us have had moments of doubt, where it can be doubt about somebody or something or ourselves or maybe even God. Those moments when something comes at us and says, um, what, can I really, can I really believe that? Am I really sure? And you know, whenever doubt starts to creep into us, it has a way that it can eventually rob us of hope and peace and joy, and if it gets serious enough, can rob us of faith. And so, as we really look at how do we deal when doubt comes to us, because it's not so uncommon, and we begin to question ourselves, and we begin to question God, and we begin to question other people around us, and it can really affect our relationships as well as specifically our relationship with God. I know when I was in seminary a few years back, um, I was taking a class, it was a philosophy class called The Problem of Evil. Now, I was kind of looking forward to the class, but that's not an easy class. I mean, if you sit down someday when you're just really bored and you've thought about, let's wrestle with the problem of evil. You know, how did it get here? How does it exist? How does it relate with God? All of those things. That's a big question, right? And so I started the class. I was enjoying it. Um, but I have to be honest with you, partway into the class, some of the questions got hard enough that I started to find myself doubting. I was like, wow, how does God really exist with this? How does this work itself out? And I started to find myself going home and thinking, can I really believe in this God that I have investing my life in? I mean, it was kind of a serious kind of moment for me right then as I was wrestling with this issue. And, and I was also playing with a mindset that I had a friend, um, I've had friends that have taken philosophy courses that actually found it really caused them to struggle with their faith. And one particular friend who was really committed to God was thinking about going into ministry that after he had gone through philosophy, he actually renounced his faith and walked totally away. So, I mean, I had that kind of experience going into this moment and realizing this is a big deal I'm wrestling with right now as I'm struggling with doubt. That, that's where my doubt came from and what I was wrestling with in that particular moment. Now, I can tell you, fortunately, um, it worked itself out through the semester and came to a place where uh, my faith prevailed in the end, but it was a struggle and it was a challenge. Well, today's scripture that I want us to walk through in Acts chapter 12 tells a story of some people that began to wrestle with a little bit of doubt. And it's the story of 
in the text, before we get to the actual reading I'm going to read, it starts with um, King Herod. Now, this is about four years or so after Jesus has died. It's taking place in Jerusalem. And the, the leadership is not exactly excited these Jesus followers are continuing to multiply and grow in the city. And so King Herod actually arrests the leader of the church. His name is James. And James is brought up on trial, and Herod actually orders him to be killed. And when Herod is killed, or James is killed, Herod gets a great approval rating for the people. I mean, political points start to rack up. And you know how that works with politicians sometimes, right? If, if this works and it's raising the polls, hey, more would be better. And so he goes out and he actually then arrests Peter, which is, remember, Jesus' second man and was also a great leader in the church. He's brought in, he's put into prison, he's chained between two guards, and um, he's left there. Okay, and this is the week of Passover. Remember back, Jesus was arrested during the week of Passover when he was even then eventually killed. Herod decides, I'm not going to go down that route, we'll wait till after Passover to have the trial. But everybody's kind of expecting more of the same in regards to Peter. Now, at the same time this is happening, after it happens, a group of disciples have gathered in a house, and they're praying, and they're actually praying for Peter. They're praying for him to get released. They're praying that um, he would be watched over, he'd be cared of. We don't really know exactly, but they're praying, right? And as they're praying, okay, we find in Acts chapter 12, verse 13, here's what transpires in the text. And it would help if I'm at the text, right? Peter knocked at the door, at the entrance to the house, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Now, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Here you've got these disciples. They've seen God do some amazing things. They've seen Jesus get raised from the dead. They're praying for God to do some amazing things. And all of a sudden, they're praying for Peter. Peter ends up showing up at their door, and they're like, nah, not really. They're struggling with a sense, is this real? Could it really be? Is God really at work? And so they believe what happens in this particular moment as they're praying, this knock comes at the door. This girl, Rhoda, comes and she hears the voice. And she says, well, it sounds like Peter. And she's super excited, right? And she runs back to the disciples and says, Peter's there. And they say, nah, not really. And so uh, Peter, though, keeps knocking. And eventually they say, we got to shut this person up. They go to the door. They open it. It actually is Peter. Peter comes in. They celebrate. It's a good deal. Now, here's the deal. Barna uh, did some research, and um, Barna researches everything, right? And we know that when he did his research, 50% of all Christians or people who have a Christian background have struggled with prolonged doubt. So today, if you're sitting here and you've gone through a season of more than just that momentary doubt, you're not alone. That's something that is pretty common that happens amongst Christians all over the place. And let me give you a reason for the top reasons why um, Barna identifies and some others that we find why people doubt. The first may not surprise you, but it's because of hypocrisy of religious people. That um, if you've ever been in a church, and I hope you haven't, but if you've been in a church, maybe the senior leadership 
of that church has a moral failure after people have trusted them, they have invested in that church, and then that leader goes against everything that they have represented. And people go, whoa, if that's what it is, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, if that's what faith is, I can't go there. And they can walk away, or they begin to doubt. Maybe you've been in a church where, or a time when there has been a church fight. I don't know, church fights can be kind of ugly sometimes. I mean, we're all going to have disagreements, but we hope we do it in a way of love and respect, right? But sometimes those happen in ways that people go, whoa, I don't want to be part of anything that's like that. I'm not sure God's really there. Or maybe you see some Christians out in the world and you go, whoa, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, that doesn't look like what I think should line up. So we do know people feel that way. Maybe you found that at times can raise and elevate our spirit of doubt. Also, another one that's big for us that raises doubt, of course, is human suffering and we find and conflict in the world. You know, I've known people over my ministry that have served in war, for instance, and they've come back from that and they've said, you know, I've seen how horrific war is. And if God is good and God is loving, I don't know how God can allow that. And so they start to wrestle with their doubt. Or maybe you have lost a family member or you've seen somebody go through incredible abuse and all of a sudden as they're wrestling, you're going, if God is so good and God is so wonderful and God does all these things, why isn't he doing it here? And it starts to elevate, right? The doubt within our spirit, within our soul. I am a, a person that I've had some affiliation with. His name is Pete Craig. And Pete Craig um, is from England. Now, this is a young man that when he was young, God put a call on his life to start prayer meetings all over the country of England. And he would, get, he would gather young people, and he would do it not in churches, but he would go to the places of margin. So he might go to the places where the drug addicts hang out. He would go to the brothel areas. He would go hang out in the bar scenes. And he would gather these young people, and they would start to gather, and they would start to pray and they would encounter Christ, and they would they pray for 24-7. I mean, people would come in and go out, but they would keep that prayer room with somebody all the time for 24, for all hours of the day. And they, this actually has grown to where it's a worldwide movement right now. Peter Craig is leading this, okay? But here's the deal. Shortly after Peter started that work, his wife became pregnant, and, and they were waiting. It was pretty close to the delivery date. And one morning, his wife just started to experience incredible seizures. It, it was rough. And so they ended up going to the doctor to figure out what was going on. And they found he, she had a brain tumor. So they had to remove the tumor. She survived. But then after they thought they had that licked and the baby had born and all was well, she developed another one. And the seizures came back. She has a tremendous headaches and all the struggles that come with this. This has continued for her lifetime. Here's the man who's leading a prayer movement across the world, and yet he's, his own wife is struggling. But Peter has been able to come to a place where I can't explain it, but I just know God is faithful. He has been able to move through that, but he has struggled with the pieces of doubt. Or sometimes our doubt rises from unmixed expectations. You know, we believe this is what the scripture says, this is how it should play out, and it doesn't quite line up that way. And then we start to wrestle, can I really trust? Can I really believe God? Or it can become in isolation. Sometimes when we get into doubt, you know, we think um, we're just going to separate and get away from it. We don't want to deal with it anymore. But actually, isolation can increase doubt. 
you remember a couple of months ago, if you were here, we were talking about John the Baptist. And remember John the Baptist who baptized Jesus at the day of his baptism, he says, behold the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. I mean, he's super excited, right? And it's not long after that, John is thrown into prison. And you remember John, eventually as he's in isolation, sends somebody to Jesus and he says, ask Jesus if he really is the Son of God. He starts to struggle with his own thoughts and he starts to find himself in doubt. Or sometimes our doubt grows because of the voices of the people the voices of the enemy coming to us. I believe there's sometimes that inner voice. I think of, personally, I believe there is a a voice of evil in the world, and that voice can get into our heads and begin to say, can you really believe in this God? Can you really trust? And that isn't uncommon. Think about Jesus. Again, a couple of months ago, remember we looked at Jesus in the temptation on the mount? Satan comes to Jesus himself and says, can you really believe God will do this? The other is, sometimes the voice comes from other people. This is why it's so important, who are we centering around us? Who are we placing around us? Are these voices that are helping to increase our faith or diminish it? I don't know about you all, but there are a lot of negative voices in the world, right? Anybody hearing any of those? A lot of people and lots of things that speak out that would make us question, does God really in all of this? And it's one of those challenges we have to continue to face And again, we're not alone. I mean, you look at the Old Testament, we've looked at the man of Job. Remember, Job was rich, he had family, and then remember his family gets taken away from him, he loses his wealth, and his friends come to him and say, can you, you know, you must have really ticked God off, man. You are not following, can you really believe in God? And Job starts to get really stressed out, but he refuses to doubt, but it can be a temptation. So here's the deal, y'all. Whenever the doubt rises for us, it's going to try to shrivel, and it can shrivel our faith, and it will try to move us to trust in ourselves. Because really we have either we trust in God or we're going to trust in us. And and you kind of have to figure that out, right? I mean, that's one of those challenges within us. And it will try to move us that way to say, figure it out on yourself. And I don't know about y'all, but I find, man, that's a hard place to be because I can't get some things figured out. And sometimes I have to just cast it to God. So when temptation comes, we often what happens when that doubt rises, we start to think God's not capable, doesn't care, or doesn't exist. And the Apostle Paul writes to a young man named Timothy about a situation very similar to this. And here's what he says to him. It's in 1 Timothy 1, verse 19. I've got the scripture here. It says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck regard to faith. This young man, Timothy, was out and he was um, a leader in the church, but he was a young man and he was in He was encountering church conflict. He was encountering the persecution that was happening in the culture at the time. And he's he's kind of finding doubt starting to rise. And Paul says, hey, when you start to experience that, remember what God has spoken over you. Remember that God has a plan for you. Don't let the doubt overtake you because it would work to shipwreck your faith. So he encourages him. So what do we do? What do we do when doubt comes? How do we stand How do we continue to persevere? How do we move through it? Let me make a couple of suggestions to you this morning 
from Scripture that I think could be helpful for us when you're struggling with doubt. First of all, I want to just name this. Don't feel like you're the only one, and don't feel like God doesn't like you and isn't with you when you're struggling with doubt. But when doubt does come, first of all, I would suggest to us that we pray. Prayer and worship is the first way. That when we're wrestling, faith grows by focusing on God, not by retreating. That whenever you start to sit down and think about God and think about what ways do you see God present in the world? What ways do you see God doing things? What ways has God been at work in your life? When you've prayed, where have you seen answers take place and things change? Reflect on the places you've seen God at work in your life rather than the places you feel like God isn't showing up. Focus on those moments and pray into those moments as you go through it. Look for signs that God is at work. And you may want to write these down. That can help you if you're a journaler. The disciples, you know, it's really interesting to me. Here they are, and they're praying, right? And Peter's in prison. Now, the rest of the story is this. If you read it it, while I was reading it, I didn't read this part. But what's happening is the disciples are praying, is as they pray, an angel shows up in the prison. And the angel shows up, and he wakes up Peter, who's fallen asleep, and the guards are asleep, and he causes the chains to just drop off of Peter. And as Peter's chains drop off, then it says that he walks out to the, the angel walks him out to the entrance of the prison where there's two more guards. They happen to be asleep too. The angel opens up the gate to the prison, and then Peter follows him out, and they go out about a block, and then the, Peter, the angel disappears. Here's the deal. While the disciples were praying, and then Peter shows up, they're thinking, we're not sure God's doing anything. They're wrestling with, is this really Peter here? But look, the whole time they're praying, God's at work doing something. Something's happening behind the scenes they can't see and realize. Now, I I will be honest, not every time that we pray does it come out the way we want it to. I mean, it just doesn't, because think about it. The disciples were praying. This time, Peter gets released. But you're going to find that later in Peter's life, he ends up being crucified and dies. Why this time? Why not that time? I mean, there's all kinds of questions, right? But I just want you to hear this. When you pray, things are changing behind the scenes in some way that I think is working towards God's advantage and towards building faith in us and other people. So I think it's really important for us to recognize. So this is why your spiritual exercise of praying every day, reading some scripture, that's really huge. Because you're sowing seeds that help you stand when the waves of doubt come. You're building that strong foundation that will hold you and keep you going. I find that God has a way of revealing himself sometimes if we'll let him to the people that are struggling the most. There are some incredible saints I've met here at Aldersgate that are going through some really tough times. And yet they're like, I just know God's got it. How do you get that kind of faith? Something has just grown in them, right, over time. And maybe we're not all there. But I just want you to hear that God will give us what we need in those moments. The second thing I would suggest to us is this, is search scripture. You know, you can do this really greatly on the internet today, that whenever you're going in seasons of doubt, just Google scriptures to confront doubt. Read them pray over them, and listen to God's Holy Spirit that will speak to your soul. Because I find God has a way of ministering through the Word. 
and God will speak things into your heart to help build your faith. But it's really important that we wrestle, put those things at play within our lives as we're dealing with it. You know, when you look at Jesus, when Jesus was confronting, because he had some challenges, Jesus would always point back to Scripture. When Satan was tempting him to doubt, he went back to the Old Testament and quoted Scripture. When you look at the New Testament and these early disciples, they often looked at the words of Jesus. How did Jesus tell us to think about this? And one of the passages that I look at when I'm going through struggles of doubt is John 16, 33. Here's what it says. Jesus said, I have told you these things so you, you may so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Can anybody say, will have trouble? Will have trouble, right? But take heart, I have overcome the world. You want to say that with me? I have overcome the world. That Jesus is saying, yeah, there's trouble. Yeah, things come. Yeah, stuff's going to rock our world. But at the end, I got this, and I know who wins. And I know who's going to be ultimately controlling this. Third thing is this. When you're going through doubt, it's okay. Face your doubts. It's okay to name them. It's okay. Because look at the disciples. I love it. You know, they're in the room. They're praying. Rhoda gets excited. She comes back, says, Peter's here. And they run. They say, no, he's not. It's his angel. Maybe it's a ghost. It's something there. We can't trust it. And Peter keeps knocking louder and louder. Finally, you look at it that they go and they finally check it out. And they say, okay. Who's there? It says, Peter. Okay, we open the door, and when they do, they find it actually is Peter. When we confront our doubts, it allows us to move through them. You know, when I was sharing my story about at seminary, you know, it was hard. I had to wrestle with it, but I had a small group at the time, and I remember going to my small group, and I'd say, guys, i got to be honest with you. I'm really wrestling right now with my faith. I'm wrestling with this question and struggle, and my, my, my brothers in my small group would pray for me. They'd let me name my faith or my struggle, and we would just continue, they continued to stand with me. And you know what was beautiful? As I walked through that semester, there came a time when I finally was able to move through my doubt, and you know what I found? My faith got simpler. There was something about it. I couldn't explain it. I didn't have all the answers, didn't have any more answers than maybe I did when I began, but somehow God made my faith simpler. I just say, God, I don't get it but I can believe you've got it. And so I just, there was something that spiritually transpires, and I think God does that. So don't be afraid of your doubt. It's okay to face it. It's okay to name it and get people alongside you praying about it. That takes us to the fourth one I would suggest to you is fellowship. You know, one of the key things that we find, faith is grown and absorbed in community. When you're around other people who believe, you get to hear their stories of how God is moving you know, and sometimes they get to hear your stories of how God is moving in your life. That's why the community is so important. We're helping lift each other, right? And at times, when we're in the bottom, somebody else is lifting us. So it's, it's this community and being in worship, all those things help the Holy Spirit to feed us so that we can stand strong when those doubts come against us. Here's the final one. Revisit. Revisit places of faith. You know, it's really important at times when we're going through doubt to go back to those places where I encountered God. Now, I hope today every one of you here can name a spot at least where God became real to you, when you can remember that moment or that space when God really has met you and encountered you. And if you're sitting here today and say, I've never had that moment, I've just, been, I've just kind of gone through the motions of this whole religion thing, Jesus wants that moment to be for you. So I just invite you, this may be that place today that before you leave this space, you say, Jesus, I just open up and I just want you to fill my heart, my life. I want to totally 
know you are real. I mean, just I'm inviting you in to fill me. But if you've had that moment, go back to those moments when you're in doubt. Like I know a lot of our youth, maybe even for some of you here, that spot may be Camp Horizon, a place when I was at camp and God showed up and I knew it was real. And going back there and saying, I remember this spot in that place. I also find, you know, for me, it was when I was a kid, I grew up, as you know, on a farm, and my parents, we had a pasture out to the west. That pasture, when I was going through my junior high years and high school years, and even as I've gone into adulthood, when I'm in deep moments of struggle, that's the place oftentimes I go. I go and I wander and I pray and I talk to God because God has been faithful to meet me there in the past. Now, there's been moments it's been silent, but I know God has met me there, and I, you can't drive that faith out of me. It may be a church, though for you, it may be a mountain trail. It could be where is the places that God has met you. Go back to those moments and remember that God has been faithful in your past and helps you to move forward into the future. So today, y'all, we all have doubts. Doubt will come, probably. Hopefully for you, it's not long, but if it is, and you find yourself in a season of doubt, I hope that as you come, you know you're not alone. It's okay. God wants to walk with you. God wants to help you move through it and to bring that inner sense of peace and that God has got this even when you can't put all the pieces together. And that's our prayer together for one another as we go forward.